0: Welcome to Femboldened, a podcast where inspiration meets aligned action, where science meets spirit, and where you've landed to enliven the bold within you. I'm your host, Angelica Pascone, multidimensional healer and empowerment coach, specializing in helping heart-centered, high achievers like you to shatter their personal and professional self-built glass ceilings. Get ready to awaken to your truest potential as we dive deep into the emboldened stories, wisdom, and medicine of our fellow impact-driven visionaries to energize you into living your bold. The only question is, are you ready? Let's get started. Them Bolden. Hello, listeners, and welcome to yet another amazing episode of Femboldens. Today, I sit down with Kathleen, whom I just met four minutes ago, and I'm really excited to share and have her share her story with you. Kathleen Donnelly Israel is the best-selling author of Wisdom on the Camino, a spiritual journey sharing forgiveness and possibilities to inspire the rest of your life. Over the 17 years, she took care of her husband with Parkinson's disease. She quickly she listened to and did emotional healing work from with many enlightened thought leaders online. She quickly formulated many philosophies of her own. After her husband's passing, she decided to walk the pilgrimage, the Camino Santiago de Compas, Compostela. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah. 500 mm-hmm. miles across northern Spain at the age of 69. She wrote her book about her adventures, sharing her philosophies with the people she met along the way, and the beauty of nature on the Camino. Kathleen, I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for being you, for sharing your story. How are you today? Who are you today? What's going on in your world today?
1: (laughs) Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Um, What's going on today? Gee, uh, the, the people across the street are building a... Uh, granny flat, so I'm up early so so the noise doesn't doesn't um, hurt us. Um, I'm um, just my daughter just visited me from Texas, so that was kind of fun and her son and we went went to the zoo and the beach and stuff so that was really fun. So I'm kind of recuperating from having her be here.
0: Uh, <laughs> How old's your grandson?
1: 14. And he brought a friend with him. Wow. And they were amazing. just delightful kids. Oh, yeah. They were crazy. so, I mean, it just made me smile. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. What a beautiful visit. My, my mom just came to visit and I have a, a toddler son, 20 month old. and And she said the same thing. She said, oh, I wish I could just move in. But Quite honestly, I need to recuperate from my visit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I could understand that. Oh well, I'm I'm really so excited to have you here. I'd love to know. I mean, when when did you when did you walk the Camino? What year was that?
1: 2019. 2019.
0: So that was quite a journey leading up to that. Where yes. were you? I guess ex- I would love to hear the the beginnings of that story right and and who you were maybe before your husband's diagnosis and and I, the emotions and the upheaval and the evolution of Kathleen during during that time of caretaking and just your evolution as a whole i'd love to hear all of that
1: well i um in my life i was a graphic designer i have a ba in art emphasis graphic design and mm-hmm. i was doing that uh for a while, um, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. When when I was uh, like 18, my mother asked me, what, what would you like to do with your life? And I said, I'd like to be a fashion designer. Oh. And um, she said, well, not very many people get to do that. So maybe you better think of something else. And uh, so my dad was a commercial artist. And so I thought, well, if you want to get paid to do art, I guess you you know i guess i should be a graphic designer but it wasn't really very good for me because i am not a perfect person and if it is not perfect you better not print it right mm. <laughs> so uh it wasn't really that good for me but i did it for 10 years just you know because that was my career and and then at that time i um 1999 i I decided to um, study transformational breathing. Mm -hmm. And I told my husband, you know, I'd really like to study transformational breathing, but I know I'm going to grow from doing this. So I don't want to grow past you. Will you do it with me? And so he did. So we were both um, transformational breathing facilitators at that time and our son too, he was 16. And uh, so he took the course too. So he became a facilitator also.
0: That's so cool.
1: (laughs) I know it was, it was very cool. And my son was like, mom, what do you want me to do this for? And I said, well, we should do things as a family. And he Mm -hmm. goes, oh, I get it. Okay. You know, so.
0: (laughs) well, that's beautiful.
1: Yeah, it was kind of towards the end of our f- family growing. You know, he was our youngest and and um anyway. So, um that was 1999 and um also that year I started a masters program in expressive arts therapy. So, I was studying that and I had to go to school in Switzerland for two summers and um then my husband was diagnosed with Parkinson's mm-hmm. at that time. And all of a sudden he had to quit his job. I didn't have any money anymore. So I, ha- I couldn't continue with my master's degree. And um, so I didn't have the money. <laughs> so then I became, uh, you know, I wasn't a caregiver at the beginning because he could still do stuff, but um, he uh, had to quit his job. He thought he could do something else. You know, and the meds they gave him made him fall asleep all the time. So we couldn't do anything else. So there we were with his little tiny pension um, because he had to retire at 51. And so we didn't get a large pension. So um, that was pretty scary times right there. We were underfunded as Mm -hmm. a family and our son went off to college you know, he went to Gonzaga, um, which isn't cheap. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, he was pretty much on his own, which helped him, helped him became very, he became a very good salesman. Mm -hmm. He, he got a job with Cutco and he, he sold a lot and he, he had scholarships, but, um, he uh, took himself through college with that wow. job. So like now he he's like the major um, salesperson, you know, and mm-hmm. he's so good at it, um, but he he's so good at it because he loves his customers. That's mm-hmm. why he's good at it. And he gives them a lot, like he gives them gifts all the time. Uh, so he shares the wealth with his customers. Mm-hmm. Um
0: Anyway, I'm you can't tell I'm proud of him, can you? No, not no, I can't tell at all. I'm not even gonna tell him what you said. No. <laughs> so oh, um, wonderful. Yeah, he's
1: pretty amazing, uh, young man. Um, so <laughs> let's see, I lost my brain getting all excited about my son. Oh
0: I, <laughs> I did that yesterday. <laughs> um yeah, and, and you know, what? I think that I, I just wanna highlight how how wonderful that is as, as a new mom. I know how easy it can be to get caught up in the mom guilt and instead you saw the beauty in in the challenge of not being able to financially support your son the way you and your husband had intended but okay. how that worked out for him and not only for him but I think you subtly no uh, said and and I know you know this all those lives he's impacting in a different way outside of the product he's selling.
1: Yeah. Yeah, all his one of his customers called me up one day. I mean, I think she was trying to get a hold of John, and she she got hold of his mother, and she said, "You know, I just think John is such a great young man. I'm just going to buy stuff from him anytime I can."
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that so, that was a proud mom moment, right?
1: Yeah, I was like, "Oh, how nice." <laughs> <laughs> And, and, um, anyway, so my husband, I I mean, that, that, um, first year that he was in college, he was so impressed with his dad, um, his dad's, um, trials that he like donated a thousand dollars to the Parkinson's disease foundation that first year that he was at school. And, um, and so, um, my husband thought, oh, I need to, they sent Ron a thank you note. And so Ron uh, thought I have to do something for John. So he decided to ride his bicycle to Spokane, Washington, San Diego, which is like, you know, I don't know how much it is. It's like 1800 miles (laughs) or something like that, or 15. I can't remember. But um, so I, I told Mar, I told Ron, okay, so you have to get $6,000 in donations because we're going to have to, you know, I have to go with him, yeah. you know, because he was ill. Um, I couldn't just say, okay, bye, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, anyway, we, um, he rode his bicycle to Spokane. And, wow. and our neighbor across the street uh, had a motor, a motor home. And our neighbor across the street is a paraplegic. Okay. He um, and so ended up I went in a motor home with this guy across the street and Ron, and we followed uh, Ron all the way to Spokane, oh, um, in the motor home. So that was pretty, you know, just <laughs> like an adventure okay. in of itself. <laughs> I know. So it it's um. Anyway, I I told him, okay, well, go out and ride your bike and see how far you can go in a day. And he came back and he said 35 miles. So I did the math and I I thought, well, he can he can ride uh, four days a week and he needs to rest three days a week. And I said, well, we have to we have to leave March 5th. And so we left March 5th and it took two months to get there. Um, That's
0: amazing. yeah. When he first, <laughs> when he first said he wanted to, to ride his bike from, from San Diego to Spokane, were you, what were, what was your immediate I know, reaction? Cause I I'm sure it like, wasn't, I'm sure you didn't say, yeah, absolutely. Let me logically think about how we can plan this. Right. What, what, what sort of thoughts were going through your head?
1: I was thinking, uh, that's going to be a lot of work. You know, that's what I was thinking. And, um, I was, I told him, that's why I told him, well, you got to get $6,000 of donations. Good luck with that. Cause I thought that would totally just dis- deter him. Mm-hmm. And he did not get the $6,000 uh, of, don- he didn't get any donations. <laughs> and there we were with our little tiny paycheck, you know, mm-hmm. trying to go out and do this. And that's why, um, the neighbor across the street, uh, he was, he told me that he was ready to get out of Dodge. That's what he called it. I'm ready to get out of Dodge. And so when he said we could stay in the motor home, I was just like, Oh, darn, I guess we can do this, you know? And right. my husband was all excited and we had the news out there, you know? And <laughs> um, so, you know, each day uh, we would, take him somewhere. He would start riding and then we would pick him up. And then the next morning we'd take him back to that spot. And then, you know, so that he could continue on. So wow. we, we had to put the motor home somewhere, you know, and anyway, there you go.
0: <laughs> My goodness. What I, I know. I, 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 <laughs> I was going to say what I, what I really enjoy. I mean, there's so much more to your story, uh, but I, what I'm really enjoying is, is really this, this level of support and surrender that you've experienced in the family you've grown up in, but also the family you built with, with the love of your life. And it's really quite yeah. beautiful. So I wanted to just reflect that back.
1: Thank you that, you know, that's right. We just, um, sort of, kind of expected each other to be there for us. You know, I think that's what <laughs> I remember um, one time when we had five children and uh, I remember one time he, I could, see, we were young and we had four and they were all running around making all this noise. And I could see him in the front room looking at all this <laughs> and with this not happy look on his face. And I was like, oh, man, he's not enjoying this. And it was pretty terrible, actually. And um, so I told him, I said, OK, if you leave, I'm leaving, too. And our kids are going to be orphans. And I, I was just like, I challenged him. You know, I used to challenge him.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I would have done that. But anyway, I just thought I'd just throw that in just in case he was thinking of leaving. Cause I, you know, sometimes husbands do that. They're just like, oh man, this isn't fun anymore. And so yeah.
0: I know well, when you, when you, when you think about the life you want, you're like, yeah, kids, house, family. Right. But you don't think of the four kids running around, destroying everything or the toddler yeah. trying to make tea by himself upstairs. Right. So
1: Oh yeah, and uh, we wanted to have nine kids. Oh my We goodness. wanted to we wanted to be the Waltons. <laughs> and when we got to four, we were like, "Oh man, this is a lot of work." Maybe not, you know. Yeah. And the reason why we tried for the fifth one is because our son had three sisters, and he was not a happy camper. Oh, that's so really nice. <laughs> God was good and gave us a son, so we didn't have to try again. <laughs> oh my goodness what a beautiful family
0: all right so he was he successful getting to Spokane
1: he did he (sighs) we actually got there early and we had to wait um but I I kept track during the time we were going and I kind of you know did the math okay we're on track we're on track and Mm -hmm. so we uh we sat outside of Spokane for a couple of days we got there a little early we didn't he, but he actually rode his bicycle into Spokane and our son was so excited with his friends there and they had the news there too. And, and, um they, and um John's friend said, we need a, we need a, you know, a line for him to cross. So they went in and got a, a roll of toilet paper and, and <laughs> roll, rolled it out across the, the street. And Ron came in and everybody was out there cheering and it's pretty exciting oh, for both of them. <laughs>
0: That is amazing how, mm-hmm. and, and when he crossed that toilet paper finish line, <laughs> how, how were you feeling?
1: Uh, you know what I was, um, I was back at the motor home because he was out there, but, you know, we didn't follow him that day. And so I don't, I, I, maybe, maybe uh, Doug followed him that day and I was back at the motor home, but um, yeah, I was just really happy for them. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we had done it all of us. Um, yeah. So
0: oh, <laughs> amazing.
1: John was very excited and he had all his friends out there cheering and stuff. So mm,
0: that's mm-hmm. awesome.
1: But when, yeah, when um, so uh, he was able to do stuff for quite a few years. But in mm-hmm. 2010, um, he became totally disabled. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a good thing because he uh, he decided to stop taking the meds. He, they had given him meds so much. He was taking like eight pills, mm-hmm. you know, five times a day and uh, stuff like that. And he um, he was like med soup. That's what he was because mm-hmm. they gave him this med and then they gave him that one for the side effects from that one. and They gave him that one for the side effects from that one. And mm-hmm. it was just like, you know, and I didn't anyway, I am not a person that takes meds. And um, at the beginning of his disease, I was I noticed that he could actually move before they started the meds on him, but after they started the meds, he couldn't move unless he took the meds.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: that, that made me angry. And uh, I told them that, and they were like, no, that doesn't happen. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, it totally did happen. Mm -hmm. And so it was just like, I just got, I just got to be supportive. You know, that's all that. What else could I do? You know? And I wanted to find a cure for him and he embraced his disease he wanted to do the medical model and i was just like oh man this is not you know this is awful and um but then i so i tried all these cures and he didn't want to do any of them and that made me angry too mm-hmm. and um so like you say it was surrender time And, um, we, uh, we did, um, at one, yeah, in 2010, and then, uh, he stopped taking the meds because he wanted to, well, this doctor, (laughs) this doctor came by our house to look at negative ion clothing and bedding, because that's, um, one of the cures that I got for him that he wouldn't, he wouldn't wear them. Um, and, uh, the doctor came by, he was a retired doctor. And when he saw Ron, he, he said, Oh, now I know why I came. I'm going to cure Ron. So he took Ron off of all the meds. Ron, I, he told me that. And I'm like, Ron doesn't do anything I want him to do. So you, Mm -hmm. you need to go talk to Ron about this. Mm -hmm. And then Ron agreed to do it. And he went off all his meds and he, uh, he became in worse pain. Mm. And I called the doctor and I said, This isn't working. Ron's in so much pain. And so the doctor, I call, he was actually on, on his way to my house. He was walking up my street. The doctor came every morning and wow. gave Ron a vitamin B injection. Mm-hmm. And so when he got there that morning, he took Ron in the bathroom and did a coffee enema on Ron. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, no more pain. Mm-hmm. Ron wasn't in pain anymore. And so Ron was very happy about that because yeah. he, um, he had been in so much pain from being med soup mm. that he um, he was just you would look at his face and you could say this guy is in pain. You know, yeah, yeah. he wasn't a complainer, but um, so um, when he found out he didn't have to be in pain, he was like happy, even though he was paralyzed. Yeah. He was like. Uh, no, I don't want to take the meds anymore. This Mm -hmm. is great. And he was, he was fine with being not in pain, but paralyzed. Mm -hmm. He, he was fine with that. Mm -hmm. He was happy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, um, so we did that for, you know, we worked with the doctor for six months, did three coffee enemas a day. And, uh, and juiced. Um, I was juicing apples and carrots and celery Mm -hmm. and feeding that to him. And um, so um, he wasn't in pain anymore. And after six months, the doctor gave up. He was like, okay, well, this didn't work. I guess I can't cure Ron. And, Mm -hmm. And Ron was like, I don't want to take the meds anymore. And our children were like, well, you can't leave him paralyzed. And Ron was thinking, yes, you can leave me paralyzed. I'm so happy I'm not in pain. Mm. And um, he was just fine with me waiting on him hand and foot. Mm. And so um, then, you know, we found out about the deep brain stimulator. And so he had that, he had that um, surgery and uh, the first one worked, but the second one did not After the second, you know, they do one side at a time. After the second one, he couldn't walk and he couldn't talk, mm-hmm. and so that was 2011. And that, you know, he was he died in 2018. So I mm-hmm. got to be home with him, you know, because the doctor said, you you know, if he can't get out of the house, you can't leave him. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I put a a door and a I. I got um, put a door right by his chair and uh, out the bedroom, the back of the bedroom. And I put I uh, had a, a a deck put out there and I thought, well, he'll be able to open this door and drag himself out. So technically he can get out. So, it, you know, I could go to the grocery store and I could do a few things, but I couldn't leave for very long. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what we did. And uh, yeah, I got um, so he enjoyed his um, he enjoyed watching cowboy movies and Mm -hmm. NCIS and a bunch of shows that he enjoyed. And he was a happy man, Mm
0: -hmm. you know,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) that's a that's a long time to not only lose ability to move around, Mm -hmm. but you said to communicate too. Yeah, the doctor had told me, uh, I'm going to put the deep brain stimulator
1: over on this side of his brain. He may have more difficulty um, talking. Mm. Well, he couldn't talk at all. Mm. So the doctor did that. Um, Anyway, and I am I'm not a person that sues people. So um, that was it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, as much as we we prefer it not to be medicine is just as much an art as art is, um, and it certainly isn't perfect. Right? right. So at what point during this journey with Ron, did you start looking for even more support for yourself and, and finding new spiritual ideas and that sort of thing that that supported you so that you could be a support to him? Um, Yeah. So um,
1: I, I had a kind of a rough childhood and so I had post-traumatic stress disorder. I, you know, it was just kind of sad to me that my children had to have a sad mom, Mm -hmm. you know, but um, that was me. And so I, I, I had always tried to be okay, um, but when I had to be home with Ron all the time, that's when I decided to um, study with enlightened thought leaders on the internet. And I, there was this guy, Darius Berizunda, and he had a bunch of thought Uh, leaders on his show every every so often and I would get his little emails we're having a show and I would go on there and I sometimes I bought their program sometimes I just healed with them but if if I if I thought their program would help me then I bought the program Mm -hmm. and so just over the years like God I felt like God was leading me around Mm -hmm. and I I thought um I I was very interested in raising my vibration. I I believe that I came in to this world uh, as a low vibrational spirit. And that's why I attracted that, you know, rough childhood and, you know, all the things in my life that I attracted with my low vibration. And so I just thought I need to raise my vibration. And so that was my goal and uh with all these thought leaders i felt like god sent me one and i would buy their program and do the work and then i would just kind of get bored with it and god would send me a new one
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then and then just over the years i studied with so many people and i started um building my own philosophies and just noticing what works you know mm-hmm. what worked for me and i would i really felt like i had some wisdom from all that. And so, uh, so I, um, and in 2013, my girlfriend, Judy walked the Camino and I, you know, she shared on Facebook about her journey. And even though she was walking, she got blisters and she was walking with bleeding feet and stuff like that. I, i I know I recognized that she was doing something very special Mm. and uh, it inspired me. And I thought, you know what? When Ron's done with his disease, I'm going to walk the Camino Mm. because I thought Ron was an athlete. He was, he was a triathlete and. I thought we would be riding our bicycles across Spain in our old age, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm a little bit afraid of downhills, but I was like, okay, well, we're just going to do this. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I'm kind of a wannabe athlete and <laughs> he is an athlete. We ran the Honolulu marathon together. He oh did it goodness. in three hours and I did it in five hours.
0: <laughs> you did it. I've never I done did it. Yeah, never did.
1: I did it. Yeah, I did it. And, um, So anyway, I, um, I, you know, I had to give up that dream Mm. and so I got another dream. That's, and that's why I, I, I recognize that, you know, I, when, when you have somebody who is sick like that in your life and you have to give up your life early, Mm. you know, I had to give up my life before (laughs) Ron died and, um, So when he did die, it was kind of like grief and relief, you know, Mm -hmm. it was Mm -hmm. mixed grief. And so, um, so anyway, I was happy to have another dream for myself at Mm -hmm. that time. Mm -hmm. And so I called Judy and I said, when did you go on the Camino? And she said, 2013. And I'm like, well, that's when my dream started, you know, when she Mm -hmm. went, um, We, it's funny, we, Judy and I were uh, in, we went to grade school and high school together. And in high school, I used to walk to her house, which was like a mile. And then I pick her up and we would walk another two miles to school. And uh, we, we wanted to be thin and (laughs) we, we wanted to do some (laughs) exercise every morning. Mm. So that's why we did it. And so we were actually walking buddies back in high school.
0: That's pretty cool to think about, yeah. right? Uh, the little <laughs> seed that's planted. I love looking back yeah. in time and thinking, oh, I didn't realize it then, but something was beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have some memories together, me and Judy. <clears throat> um.
1: <clears throat> so so anyway, uh, Ron died in August of 2018. Uh, uh, and... So my mother died in December. Mm. So I, I always thought they would go out together. It just seemed like they really liked each other. And I Mm. thought, you know what, my mother and Ron are soulmates. He's getting old with her. And, uh, yeah, that's what it looked like too. Mm. you know, that he was her age by the time, by the time he was done and, um, for she was ninety three and he was seventy one when he died. Mm-hmm. Um, so what else? Uh, he um so it, in Jan, I was busy doing all the stuff, you know, um funeral and um cemetery and um, insurance, and all the things that I had to do after he died. And so in January, I was, I thought, well, you know, I think I need to prepare for the Camino. So I started reading books. I started getting my um, my stuff together. And I went and did a, I went to a, at, at my library, they had a lady talking about how to pack light for the Camino. Mm. And I went to it. And actually I was the only one, the room was full, but I was the only one there that was actually going to do the Camino. Oh, Everybody wow. else everybody else was just interested in how to packing light, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So uh, <clears throat> she taught me a lot wow. about the Camino and uh, she told me I needed to stay at the Bolari and Sanshan. And I, so that's what I did. I stayed there. She told me that to make a reservation for the first three nights. And then after that, I could make the reservations each night. Mm. Um, so I did that. And so it was, um, you know, uh, in March, the end of March, I flew to Paris mm. and stayed there for a week. So I wouldn't have jet lag when I started the Camino. Okay. And, and so that was really fun. Um, I know um, my grandmother, when my grandfather died, uh, she went on a trip. And so mm. I thought this is my trip. Mm. So, um, so I did that. Uh, and I started, um, I, I flew to Bayonne and, um, took a taxi to Baritz and stayed the night. And then from Baritz, I took a train to San Jean deport and I started the Camino the next morning. Oh
0: my gosh. <laughs> That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and as you're sharing this, I, I have so many thoughts, one of which I think and you can correct me if I misheard you. too but I believe you flew to Paris in March and that was Mm -hmm. when Ron also started his. his Oh, right. Right. Yeah. That was, yeah, was the, yeah, well, it was the end of March and he
1: started in the beginning of March, Mm -hmm. but Mm
0: -hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And I, I, I'm really curious your thoughts on this, but you know, so many individuals who experience loss, especially after being a caregiver, before mm-hmm. loss, um, you know, there's there's this identity that seems to they they also need to grieve over, but it seems from the from an outsider looking in, and again correct me if I'm wrong, that you began the process of finding your own identity while caretaking with Ron. So there wasn't that loss of identity. I mean, there was that loss. You would have loved to have Ron do the communa with you, I'm sure, and you would have loved to have done all those other adventures you had said you were going to do together. Um, but that embracing though, this is, this is my adventure, right. Just as your grandmother yeah. did, um, is really profound and, mm. uh, a lesson, um, that I think a lot of us could, could learn from and, and embrace really,
1: you know, through this, I have thought about my grandmother's both of my grandmothers, well, their husbands died in their fifties. They -hmm. were like 56 and 55. And I just remember them in their life and how they did their life after they were a widow. And I thought, I kind of modeled myself after them thinking about them and they got through it. They did it. And, um, you know, I thought, well, I can do this. My grandmothers did this. So, um, yes. so that's, <laughs> that's what I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. I could do it too. And, um, they were lovely women. I mean, they, they made me a little bit crazy, <laughs> you know? yeah. um, but still they were strong women, both my grandmothers and they, uh, had an identity, separate from their husbands. One thing that I did not realize Mm. my grandmother, Donnelly actually took fencing after her husband died. (laughs) This, I mean, I think my goodness, (laughs) I know. I, I think of her as this little old lady, you know, um, so I was six years old when my grandfather died. Mm. And, and so, you know, uh, Yeah. So I didn't really know what was going on. All I thought of grandma is, you know, she drinks tea and it smells like lemons at her house and, (laughs) you know, lemons and cucumbers actually. (laughs) And, Mm. and uh, so, um, yeah, I could, I could do this. I, uh, my grandmothers could do it. I could do it. And they were so different. My two grandmothers were absolutely different people. Um, One of them wore makeup. The other one did not. She did not wear makeup, but she wore red nail polish. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so they were just like themselves, you know? Yeah. And uh, anyway. Hmm. So uh, after I got to um, France and I, uh, when I, you you know, the first thing you do is you walk over the Pyrenees and it was snowing on the Pyrenees. So they didn't let us walk over the Pyrenees. Hmm. And so I we had to walk around the Pyrenees. And uh, so that first night, everybody had to walk around the Pyrenees. So we were all kind of a little bit sad about that. Mm-hmm. And so we all ended up, um, people I did not even know, ended up in Valcarlos at this um, albergue. And uh, we were just, you know, nobody knew each I had met one of the ladies at at the Bellari the night before and so I had wondered how do you um I heard about the camaraderie on the camino and I'm like well I don't really know how to do that Mm -hmm. and I um so anyway when I got to the um Carlos, um I had to go I found a bed you know there's this room with all these beds And I got me a lower bunk, which was very nice because I, you know, I was 69 years old. I didn't want to be crawling up into the, you know, the up up of the the bunk bed. And so then I had to go up and tell the lady at the store who was in charge. She worked at the store and then she had an extra job to come down and sign us all in that night. Mm. So I went up and told her when I got back, I walked in and this guy from Germany um, looked at me as I walked in and he said, you know, I have this new friend here and he's very, very sad. And so I went over and I sat down next to him. And I said, well, why are you sad? And he said, um, well, three people in my life died. They were my friends and they died one right after the other. And I'm so sad I can't do my life. And that's why I'm here walk the mm-hmm. Camino, because somebody suggested that since I couldn't do my life, I should go walk the Camino.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I said, Oh, you know, my husband died, and my mother died. And we have something in common. And he was just like, your husband and your mother, wow, that's terrible. We have something in common. And I said, Yes, we do. And we became great friends. And mm-hmm. um, so that's how you become you get, yeah, that's how you have the camaraderie on the Camino. You just tell it your story to each other. Yeah. And um so uh, I had gone up to the grocery store and I, you know, I, there was a kitchen there and I had bought food. So I cooked me some food and you know, I went to bed, but um like the table had some wine bottles on it. And I I thought, oh gee, I wish I had bought a bottle of wine to share. Mm. They were sharing. And somebody gave me a cup and I drank some wine and um, made my dinner and then I went to bed. And when I got up in the morning, that table was covered with bottles of wine. (laughs) And I thought, how did they get all these bottles of wine? Because uh, you know, you're trying not to carry very much. Right. And uh, the store closed early and I was just like, how did this happen? I don't know how it happened, but oh, um, <laughs> the table was covered with bottles of wine oh, my gosh. and and we had to use a different table for breakfast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, when there's a will, there's a way, right? Yeah, oh, right. <laughs> so, okay, I guess I didn't know this. So, so is there um, before there's a plan? for somebody to walk the walk of Camino is, is there a group that plans to go together or some sort of organization beforehand, or it just happens that you're all starting together sort of thing that night, everybody
1: had all, uh, walked alone. There was a brother and sister. They were walking together, but most everybody was walking alone Mm and really if you walk the camino you walk how fast you walk i mean i felt like i was walking as fast as i could really but everybody passed me i was walking slower than all the young people mm. i'm an old lady you know i and i i have a actual i have a foot problem too mm. and so i walked anyway um and so um Even if I had gone with people, I wouldn't have been walking with them. They wouldn't have wanted to walk as slow as me. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So um, I would say that just almost everybody that was there was not walking with somebody except that brother and sister that were walking. They were from Canada. Um, And uh, yeah, so uh, we became a family that night. Mm-hmm. uh we all talked to each other and i i recognized that lady that had been at the balari and i waved to her and she waved at me and really the next day we um when i <clears throat> when i left she was i saw her taking pictures of this mural in town and so we walked together that day uh so we were kind of like sisters you know mm-hmm. we something in common And then um, halfway through the day, she said, you know what? I'm just going to stay here and write some poetry and take some pictures. And I thought, well, I need to keep going because I, um, you know, it's going to take me a while since I walk so slow. So, Mm -hmm. Um, and we made a WhatsApp, all the people that were there at Val Carlos that night, we made a WhatsApp together so we could keep tabs on each other and, everybody got home before me. I was the last one there. Um, and um, so when I would tell them what I was doing, they would all say, "Okay, well, you know, you need to stay three days in Burgos because it's so beautiful there and there's so much to do." Mm-hmm. So that's what I did, and you know, they, we were just kind of talking to each other, and yeah. they were all jealous of me that I was still there and they they were home doing their life
0: again. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so how how long? How long did it take you to complete the Camino?
1: Well, I think I, you know, may have the record for how long it takes. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, But I did actually um, start taking um, Sundays off because I am Catholic and I was on a holy pilgrimage. uh, And on Sunday, I would get in and I would just flop down because I was tired and I wouldn't find out where mass was. And I thought, all of a sudden I wasn't here. I was on a holy pilgrimage and I wasn't even going to church on Sunday. And (laughs) so, um, so I decided, okay, well, I'm just going to stay in a hotel on Saturday night and stay the next night. um, So that I could always be there for mass in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I took every Sunday off and also I took holy week off and I stayed in a town and I became a church lady and did all the Holy Week services with them. Mm. So that was fun. And uh, and then I had some sick days. I had planned on, you know, not needing, I if I got sick, because I read all, a lot of books and it seemed like everybody got sick at some time. Mm. So I built that in. So I was actually on the Camino for 66 days. And, uh, so, but I wasn't walking all of those days, you know, I got sick maybe, uh, two or three times. Um, the first time I was in this albergue and this guy came up to me, he was from Poland, a really young guy and I guess he thought, oh, I must be like his grandmother or something. So he came up to me and he said, oh, you know, I don't feel very good. My bones hurt. My, I feel achy. What do you think I should do? And I just like stepped back and thought, oh, I don't want your germs. You
0: know?
1: <laughs> I want to I wanna walk the Camino. I don't want to, you know, be sick. And so um, I told him. Well, here's a bouillon cube. Why don't you have some chicken soup? You know, and he mm-hmm. said, "Oh, that's a good idea." And he had a bouillon cube, so he just went and used his own bouillon cube. But, and then I did get sick after mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't thinking it was his fault or anything because there were quite a few sick people on the Camino at that time. And I thought, well, we're all together here, you know, um, meeting each other and stuff, and. Um, so I stayed at a, at a place for like four days having the flu (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and, um, anyway, uh, at that time, um, one of the problems I had on the Camino was that I, uh, it was hard for me to pee in the bushes Mm. because I'm an American, I'm an American and it's like against the law to expose yourself. So, um, you know, other people from other countries didn't have my problem, but I was just like, I don't love, you know, this is awful. So I, <laughs> I ended up um, being, um, you know, having to. Uh... <laughs> so anyway, during that time, I took a pair of pants of mine and, and cut it up and made a skirt out of it. So I wouldn't have to bear my butt when I Peed in the woods, and um, mm-hmm. so that was one of my activities. I sewed it by hand, and That's I just um, cut the legs off and cut them in half and sewed them on. You know, sewed them together and made a gathering and sewed them up. And I had a skirt, and I wore that most of the time, most of the rest of the time.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't even even thought of that problem, but you're absolutely right. And I think as Americans too. We our toilets are built so we don't have to squat.
1: Like oh, everywhere yeah. else in
0: the world too, right? So we're not we're just not used right. to, to doing right. that, that movement. I remember <laughs> I went to um Albania in college and they took us out. We I mean we stayed in a hotel. It was beautiful. I, I loved I loved Butrinti, Um, but we stayed in a hotel that was big enough only for us. And we oh. we 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 were there for three weeks. So we we paid basically for all of the help for the rest of the year, um, everybody's salaries and everything just by being there for those three weeks. anyways so when the hotel of the, the restaurant and the hotel closed the waiters the the bartenders all of them they took us out clubbing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh. down the road. So anyways, there's a point to the story. And I remember at the, at the club, I had to use the bathroom and I went to the bathroom and there was just a hole in the floor. And that was That's the first right. time I was like, well, I spent about, I don't know, probably two minutes thinking of how I was going to use this <laughs> to, you know, station myself. Yeah. But when you yeah, gotta I, go, you gotta go. You gotta go. I know I, I, oh goodness. But so, yeah, yeah. I can imagine that that would be a, an issue to resolve and resolve quickly for as long as you were going to have that. (laughs) Yeah. 66
1: days, man. (sighs) And, uh, what I ended up doing was stopping. There's bars along the way, so you can stop in the bar, get a coffee and use the toilet in the bar. Okay. But sometimes you can't, there's no bar, you know, there's no
0: bar and yeah. (laughs) I'm, I'm curious with all the wisdom that you shared on the Camino, I'm curious who who you were when you started the Camino and who you were after you completed it. Yeah, I want to say
1: that I was um I want to say that it really changed me. Um it it changed me while I was there, but when I when I got I guess, you know, I was doing my grief and relief thing. Mm-hmm. and um i was a i i did many volunteer things while ron was sick i could just leave for a couple of hours and i would go and i worked at a horse ranch and i uh picked up um horse pucky and put it in a wheelbarrow and you know that's what i you know i was a volunteer at this um autism horse ranch type place mm-hmm. and and so i got a really strong core that was one good thing. And then, um, I used to work at the local theater. Ron loved to go to the theater. Mm-hmm. That was one of the great things about our relationship. He loved the theater and so did I. So I would go volunteer at the theater and then I would get tickets and then we could go to the theater. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I, I want to say that I, um, that I was really changed afterwards, but, um, when I got home, I was still very sad. <clears throat> yeah. um, but while I was there, I I did experience so much beauty mm-hmm. and um, so such great friendships that I was changed there. But I have to say that when I got home, I I, I look at my pictures after the Camino, and I you could tell that I had lost my husband, you know, yeah. I, I, um, it didn't cure me, <clears throat> but what uh, being on the Camino taught me was that I could take care of myself. Mm-hmm. I, I could get, you know, I went from my mother's house to my husband's house, you know, and even though we were both young and we did build a life together, I wasn't alone. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> and so, um, It taught me that I could take care of myself. I had to find a place to live on the Camino each night and I had to find food, you know, and like, um, and also, um, it was just so inspiring the beauty and the people on the Camino that I was, I was really, um, quite, uh, elevated while I was there actually. So. I I would think that, that I would like to say that it, it, it changed me totally. But when I look at my pictures Mm -hmm. after I, I got home, I, I was still, I, my, uh, there were, I had worries in my head, I think, you know?
0: Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I love that honesty. Thank you. Right. Because we all hear, we all hear the stories that people want us to, to think happened, right? But mm. sometimes it doesn't always happen that way. So thank you for that. Yeah, I, I was a, a little bit still doing my knitting in my head when I got home. <laughs> yeah, and if, I mean that makes sense. I mean it, it, it wasn't supposed to be a cure, it was supposed to be a journey and and that you had. Oh yeah. That's right. Um you know before I went on the Camino,
1: uh my friend, I mean I here I am Catholic. Uh, My friend is a spiritualist and he wanted me to go to his church and um, after Ron died Mm -hmm. and uh, actually wanted me to go before Ron died. And I'm like, you know what? I cannot leave Ron. He's, you know, on death's door here. I can't do this. Mm -hmm. And so after Ron died, he, he called me again and he said, okay, you know, it's Wednesday night. And so I went and those people actually can talk to the dead. You know, Mm -hmm. the dead can communicate with them. And I was like, oh, man. And um, so um, that was really inspiring for me because I went in there and this lady, you know, I told her my husband died and she said, wow, he must have been a good man because he already crossed over and Mm -hmm. she could like see him up there. And um, my daughter had gone with me. And she, uh, she said, there's somebody like they're having a party up there and there's somebody that starts with a V. She gets letters, I guess. And I thought, well, I don't know who um, starts with a V. And then my daughter said, well, how about Virginia? And that's his aunt, Virginia, his mother's sister. And I'm like, oh yeah, Virginia. Well, she never liked me. And, um, and then (laughs) she said, oh, she's over that now. she, she just was nervous. that's why she didn't acted like she didn't like you and I, I was just that was so beautiful for me that they she said that because it made me realize that when you die, you lose your drama mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i always felt you know people were mean to me in my life because I had that low vibration i was attracting in all these mm. people that were not nice to me and um and i really i used to say. I can't die because if any of those people that went before me came and got me, I would not go with them, you know, cause they were mean to me. Yeah,
0: yeah. And,
1: um, and then after that, after she said that, I thought, wow, you lose your drama when you die. And it was so, uh, it made me feel so happy uh, that I didn't feel like that anymore, that I, yeah. I, I couldn't die <laughs> because I wouldn't go with anybody because <laughs> they're up there all happy and everything. And here we are with our drama and things that make us sad.
0: Mm -hmm. And so I don't feel that way anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, Yeah. I I identify as a medium and I I do offer readings for those who want to communicate with their loved ones who have passed. And that's been my experience too. Um, Oftentimes the healing, the past, you know, with the past, we, I, here's what I believe is we come to this earth to experience the drama so we can learn the lessons. But once, once the passing happens, most of the time there, yeah, there's, the ego is dropped. The ego is a very much a human experience um, and what we need in order to gain the lessons our soul is craving, but yeah, it's, it's a much peaceful peaceful way of life on the other side too. So I'm really glad that you had that experience and that healing from that share. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It changed. It just, mm-hmm. that changed me. Mm-hmm.
1: And it, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, that's incredible. And I, as, yeah. as you're sharing this too, I'm thinking, my goodness, what impeccable timing that you were able to walk the Camino in 2019, because had you waited any longer, there was a chance that COVID would have hit. And that's right. You know, it was, You I mean, it really it seems like it was divinely inspired, um, in many ways. You know, when I went to the church,
1: you know, the spiritualist church, um, this lady, you know, they make, if you, if you're the first time there, you absolutely get a reading mm-hmm. and the, the lady, um, did this reading for me and, she said, uh, I, I see that you're, you're going to go on a journey and this journey is very deep. It's so deep. It's, it's in your blood, it's in your bones. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she didn't know I was going on the Camino. And after I told her that she said, okay, well, I know what this was about. Yeah. So it, it was kind of, um. I had already decided to go, mm-hmm. you know, but it was, um, it was very special. And I, when I went to the Balari that first night, they wanted to know, uh, they wanted us to name our Camino, uh, give it a name. Mm. And that's what I did. I, um, I gave it the name deeper than I know.
0: Mm. So that's beautiful. Yeah, it was, it was, it wow.
1: uh, it was lovely mm.
0: um
1: so um yeah the camino <laughs> and i it was um i did actually do the camino again last year during mm. covid oh, okay uh, but i went from lisbon in portugal up to santiago and then on to finisterre so it was almost 500 miles wow. that time too um but I, um, I was so sick by the time I was done with the Camino uh, in 2019 that I could not go to Finisterra. I wanted to, but I, I could not. It, I was, you know, I was, I had just, um, I had a, a urinary tract infection and um, I went to the, anyway, it's all in my book. It's so amazing <laughs> that the
0: story is like, are you kidding me? Oh my goodness. And, I know. I just want more. So, so where, where can my listeners find more about this, about you, about your story? Yeah, I have a
1: website. It's wisdom on mm-hmm. And on, on the website, uh, you click on how to get the book and it sends you to Amazon, mm-hmm. or you can uh, just go to Amazon and write it, just type in wisdom on the see, and then it comes up with wisdom on the Camino. Beautiful. And you, um, my book is on Amazon. I self-published, um, I went through a self-publishing school mm. and, um, I gave them a bunch of money, but you know what? They helped me do it.
0: Good. And Good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And, um, so I, I, I think I'm going to have to write my second book about the Camino in Portugal.
0: Yeah. My goodness.
1: And then next year I'm going to walk again in, on the Camino del Norte. Uh, actually think I'm going to bring a friend with me. My friend, Aniva wants to go. And so maybe we'll go together. The, the thing about going by yourself is there's no drama yeah, because yeah. you don't have anybody to complain to. Mm-hmm. I did notice that uh, sometimes the people who went with somebody, they had to deal with the drama of the relationship. And I, I did not have to do that at all. Mm. I did. I did see some drama, but I didn't take it with me. I, you know, some of the people in the places uh, on the books that I read, um, some people would say, um, you might meet some cranky people and that's just part of your camino, you know, and mm-hmm. and you just have to roll with the punches cuz I did meet some angry people on the camino mm-hmm. but uh, mostly they were helpful people. I got into Burgos and I I was I had my clothes and I needed to wash my clothes and I walked around the town looking for a laundromat it was and uh though I couldn't find one mm-hmm. and so um I was just walking around, and this lady asked me, uh, you know, she asked me a question in Spanish. Um, I speak Spanish, but I didn't understand her. Mm. I thought they were they wanted me to help them, and I was just like, you know, I don't know where anything is, and (laughs) and uh, so um, she said uh, "que quiere" or something like that. She noticed that I was lost or something, Mm. and I I and I said "mi ropa." Um, Lavendera mi ropa or something like that. Mm -hmm. I probably said it wrong. And she goes ropa. And she was standing there with an old lady and they just said ropa together. And then the the younger woman left the older woman standing there and took me two streets over and found me the laundromat Mm -hmm. and went inside to make sure it was open. And, um, you know, she it was like she was thought. I, I thought that she thought that if she helps a pilgrim, it's a blessing. That's mm. how I felt. Mm. And I just met people like that along the way all mm. the time. Mm. <clears throat> then there were the angry people, <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know, and I think that's such a, a as you're sharing this, this seems um, very much a metaphor to life, right? It's like if before God sends you down to earth, he says, you're going to meet some angry people along the camino right <laughs> yeah. but then there's going to be people mostly people who feel it's a blessing to help the pilgrim i mean i think that's yeah. that's that's really mm-hmm. just a, a metaphor for for life and it's a it's really just a testament to i think was it mr rogers who said if you take the time to to find the kind people in life your life will be a different a little different than those mm. who focus on the angry and the cranky Oh, I love, I love Mr. Rogers. He's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, Kathleen. This is, this has been such an amazing conversation. I really can't thank you enough for sharing your journey. And I mean, all aspects of your journey, it's been a pleasure just to hear over the last few minutes here, what your life has been like from really start to finish. And I'm really so excited to follow your journey further and, see who else you get to become.
1: <laughs> well, thank you, Angelica. I um, I really enjoyed speaking with you.
0: Just like all the other Fembolden episodes, Kathleen and I chat about science and spirit and the mix of both in her life's journey. And I did want to share that my meet again mediumship readings are available to you. If you are interested in connecting with a loved one who has passed or interested in healing that needs to be happening between the two of you or three of you, however many feel free to visit my website at angelicapascone.com to schedule your meet again reading soon. Thank you so much for being here and being you.